Hello, I'm Philip. And I'm Phoebe. Welcome to Dad. And Daughter Do Death. How are you, Phoebe? I'm good. I'm better. I've been quite poorly this week. Oh, yes. How are you? I'm fine. I'm fine. Yeah, good. no problems at all. Good. I did go up to the chemist yesterday and get uh, get some packs of <laughs> lateral flow tests. Yeah, they just had them all stacked up on the counter there. It was, uh, yeah. And I said, there's two people living in the house. He said, oh, well, you can have two each. So I came back with four and there's How seven exciting. tests in each one. So No way. I haven't even done one yet. I've seen the video on how to do it. It looks horrible. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's not something that I'd, you know, volunteer to do. Having I've only done two, but that's enough. <laughs> yeah. That was enough COVID tests. Um, yeah. Oh. Well, Richard's got to have him every week now or every other week. So right. I'm going to go with if he's negative, I'm probably negative. So. <laughs> Stands a chance. Yeah. Yeah. yeah but, but to be fair, we did think we might have had COVID again this week, but um, we didn't. So Yeah. So, yeah, how's your how's your cold or whatever good a lot better I think it just it felt like a chest infection to be honest and I feel so much better today and you know when you're poorly and you don't realize how poorly you felt until you feel better right um so I feel so much better today I felt really out of it and like my chest has been really sore and been we've both been coughing up all sorts so it's been a bit of a rough week actually but no feeling a lot better today yeah. Uh, so I've got cute. two bits of uh, true crime news to discuss with you. Oh, exciting! This week. Um, one is I don't know how much kind of national coverage it's got, but um, a village near where we live now, actually, um, a couple of years ago, a guy who incidentally I did know vaguely um, was murdered by his next door neighbour. He they'd had this argument about noise levels. The neighbour was really noisy, and they'd complained um to the police I think and also the council and the guy Shane who got murdered he worked for the council and um one night him and his girlfriend came back from being out for the night and he was in their house and he'd come in through the loft um and come in through the loft hatch and um he shot his girlfriend um who was pregnant in the head with a crossbow and she managed to get it out and escape oh my god um and (laughs) shot him with the crossbow and she managed to get to his house a tiny village there's like 20 houses in it she ran to um this house and they got the ambulance and they came and he also shot him he the guy shot shane with the crossbow um and shane died in hospital um, yeah. being shot by this crossbow and then this guy disappeared and they found him like a few days later he'd taken a drug overdose and he was in a car somewhere right. um so it was pretty dramatic when it happened and so yeah. it's been his inquest this week of, so, of shane. shane of shane shane's inquest yeah um and so the whole daily mail has covered it quite extensively right. um it's been quite a good tra- tra- transcript of what's been going on uh, there so i've been uh, quite avidly keeping an eye on that this week so it's just really sad, awful, awful case. Yeah. But, um, yeah and, and the guy that did the shooting, yeah, did he die as well? He so he was found like three days later in his oh, car of a drug overdose. Dead, not dead. Sorry, yeah, no, dead. No, oh yeah, right, okay. Dead, yeah. Oh wow. But, um, okay. And they said like if they'd have got him, he'd have absolutely gone to prison for murder because yeah, yeah, that's what he did. And and the girlfriend, she survived, and she had, I think, I think the baby was okay. She had the baby, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, but obviously just, yeah, devastating. 
And Shane had two of the children from somewhere else, and I knew him from Slimming World. Uh, oh, okay. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's really sad to say, but quite interesting from a kind of true crime perspective. So that's that's worth kind of checking out. So you did know him. I mean, you, you knew who he was. I spent a lot of Tuesday evenings sitting in yeah. a circle talking about uh, <laughs> sins with him. <laughs> so, you know, I, did, I had met him a few times, yeah? Yeah, yeah. And the other um, yeah, thing, number two. which is just like <laughs> ridiculous. So there's a there's a podcast called Your Own Backyard, which is quite a famous podcast. And I started listening to it a couple of weeks ago, um, and just kind of I didn't I wasn't really paying attention to it. But I started again yesterday listening to it, and it's about this girl called Kirsten Scott or Kristen Scott who disappeared in 1996 on her way back from a party in St. Louis Obispo in California um she was 18 college student disappeared not been seen and then this guy they thought it was possibly something to do with this guy but they could never fully pin it on him and they could never fully find this evidence that they needed um and this whole podcast was like exploring what happened to her where did she go what's happened and all the kind of the mess basically the police have made of it um anyway purely by coincidence yesterday um they arrested this guy and his dad because a witness had come forward because of this podcast and come up with some new evidence which meant that they could search the house and the grounds again of this property because they'd searched it too many times and they hadn't got enough cause to search it again podcast they'd got this new evidence they went to the house and searched it and they've arrested him for the murder. And they said they've got enough evidence to prove that he killed her. Wow. Um, the the so, power of true crime podcasting. Yeah. That's, <laughs> that's the thing that's just totally like blown my mind. Like what a difference it made. So um, really, really good podcast. Really good listen. It's about six hour long episodes. Really interesting. And the guy who does it like talks to all sorts of people. Really, really interesting. And then now to be able to watch it unfold and what's going to happen next is um, really interesting. So I've got a proper little uh, true crime buzz from that today. Wow. Like, okay. Oh my goodness. Yeah. And that was in your backyard. Um, the podcast's called Your Own Backyard. Your Own Backyard. Wow. The guys okay. from St. Louis Obispo. So we went, we drove through there on our honeymoon and we went to this um, fast food restaurant and this woman was like oh can I pray for you and we were like yeah and then she just started like praying in this like McDonald's for us <laughs> and like holding her hands and stuff and then this woman came out of the loo like obviously been doing some sort of drugs in the loo we were like yeah I don't think we're gonna stay here for very long it was the weirdest <laughs> place we've been to yeah so um, <laughs> those are my memories of St. Louis Obispo okay wow so yeah I thought I'd share those two bits of <laughs> uh true crime geek information with you so Phoebe, I was going to tell you um, a story tonight about a, a British British murderess okay. by, the, by the name of Mary Wilson, okay. not to be confused with the lead singer of the Supremes. Um, right. <laughs> this is Mary Elizabeth Wilson, who was actually born Mary Elizabeth Cassidy. And as we'll find out, she wasn't actually Mary Elizabeth Wilson for very long, but... Uh, We'll find out as the story goes on. Okay. Um, there are many retellings of this story. And as I've discovered, they, they all seem to vary a little bit. So uh, okay. I'll, I'll tell the version that I've made notes on and uh, we'll, we'll see how we, how we go. There are other podcasts that cover it. And there's uh, articles on Wikipedia and Murderpedia about mm-hmm. it. So, uh, yeah. But, uh, yeah, Mary Elizabeth 
Cassidy was born in 1893, although somewhere I discovered said she was born in 1889, but most places say 1893. So let's go with that one. Yeah. Yeah. In Hebburn in South Tyneside. So this is a northeast centric case. She went into service for a family called the Knowles family. Okay. And she met and struck up a relationship with the son of the family, John Knowles. He was a labourer and a chimney sweep. And in 1912, so she would have been 19, they got married. Lovely. They lived in a village called Windy Nook, which is just south of Gateshead. Uh, It was an old mining, well, it was a prosperous mining town at the time. Um, mainly for slate and uh, stuff like that rather than coal. Um, But after a while, the mining business sort of went away and people started to become a lot less well off as a result of the uh, sort of the lack of work in the town. So they took in a lodger who was called John Russell. There were two Johns living in the house now, John Knowles and John Russell. So John Knowles and Mary... Knowles at this stage had six children, three boys and three girls. But it, uh, it turns out that John Russell was more than just a lodger. <gasps> dum, dum, dum. Yeah, he was actually uh, carrying on a bit of an affair with Mary, but they seem to carry that on for quite a long time without okay. upsetting any, anybody. Now, whether John Knowles knew about that or not, we don't know. No. Because they were married for 43 years. Wow. That's yeah. Because sadly, in 1955, bearing in mind they were married in 1912, yeah. John Knowles died. Oh. The, the, the cause of death was put down to heart problems. He was in his 70s, so he must have been quite a bit older than Mary. Mm. But yes, it's, it's alleged that he died of, of heart problems and he was an oldish man. They'd been married for 40 odd years. Um, yeah, all very sad. So Mary carried on living in the house with John Russell. Now, I don't believe they did actually get married, although some reports say they did, but another reports say they was just she was just his partner. But by the end of 1956, John Russell also sadly died well that's sad so the doctor pronounced that um well that john russell had also died of natural causes and as a result of these two deaths mary inherited the money that was left by both of the johns which totaled a grand sum of 42 pounds oh okay right so money probably wasn't the motive probably not well maybe i mean apparently that equates to around about £1,500 today, which isn't really a huge amount. And if you'd kill someone for £1,500, I wouldn't kill someone for £1,500. Or, or two people for £1,500. Or two people for £1,500, yeah. No. <laughs> so, yeah, at this stage then, it's, it's... Well, we don't know that she has killed them yet. No, they've sorry, just, yeah, no, I'm just... Jumping, <laughs> I'm they've jumping, just both jumping. mysteriously died quite close to each other. Yeah. So by 1957, Mary was getting lonely and she was introduced to a a man called Oliver Leonard. He had recently been widowed 
He was in his 70s, a retired estate agent. They got married, but after only 12 days, he fell ill. Mary called a neighbour in to see what she thought about how Oliver was looking, who agreed that he was very poorly. Perhaps she ought to call the doctor. Now, by all accounts, she didn't call the doctor, and by the next morning, he too had died. Oh, no. So they'd only been married less than two weeks. And, oh, my uh, goodness. And her third, well, partner, let's call it. That's very unlucky. <laughs> yeah, third partner died. Three people die so closely related to him. Yeah, and, and he had left her £50, which, considering they hadn't really known each other very long, was, was quite good, really. Very kind. Managed to get some... She's doubled her income. There. Yeah. Still on the lookout for company, because she's a sad, lonely old lady. She very quickly met a fourth man. Who Did was she called... not have got, like, a cat? <laughs> it would have been a lot <laughs> easier for her, not <laughs> She met a fourth man who was also in his mid-70s, who was called Ernest Wilson, and hence the name that she's known by as Mary yeah. Wilson. He lived in his own bungalow, albeit very run down by all accounts. He was a retired engineer. He apparently had a hundred pounds in the co-op bank. Wow. And a fully paid up life insurance policy. Mm, that's interesting. And strangely, she was attracted to this man. That is strange. It was known that Ernest had himself been receiving treatment for a heart condition for, for many years. Okay. So the doctor, the local doctor, knew of him quite well. But uh, nevertheless, they got married and they were having a jolly time at the wedding. There was a bit of a party afterwards. There was quite a lot of cakes and sandwiches and things left over, apparently. And one of her friends uh, said to her, what should we do with all these leftover cakes and sandwiches? And she joked, oh, hang on to them. They'll be useful for the funeral. (laughs) Okay. Now, it sounds a bit too contrived, but it's well documented that that that's what she said. Oh, my God. (laughs) That she joked that they'll they'll still be fresh enough to to be used at the funeral. Wow. Wow, yeah. Now, I don't know the exact date of when they got married, but still within 1957, in November 1957, one evening, Mary called the doctor to say that her husband of two weeks this is a pattern emerging here two weeks (laughs) was gravely ill but when he actually arrived that evening the doctor discovered that Ernest had already died and he'd been dead for several hours oh so anyway based on his medical history yeah well it is quite ill yeah and based on his medical history of heart problems, the uh, the cause of death was was recorded as being heart failure. I guess all the exertion from the wedding and getting married that that could have put unnecessary Extra pressure on his him. heart. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and uh, I mean, at seventy five and a yeah. new new young wife, although she was now sixty four, something yeah. like that. Yep, yeah. in her mid sixties. <laughs> yeah. So that's really, really unlucky and that very is, sad yeah. that within two years, a space of two years, she's lost three husbands and a lover. 
That is really unfortunate. Did really? they get to use the cakes and sandwiches at the funeral? I don't honestly know, but apparently in one report, there weren't very many people that actually attended that. Oh, okay. Her and a friend. Oh, right. Well, I guess if it was a fruit cake, it would have probably been all <laughs> right. <yes>. Yeah. <laughs> at that said funeral, when there weren't actually very many people in attendance, Mary made another unfortunate joke or quip, and she suggested to the undertaker that perhaps she should be getting a discount for all the trade that she's bringing him. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Again, it's a well-recorded uh, quote of hers, which with wow. that and the other one about the cakes and sandwiches led her into a bit of trouble. Now, Ernest had a son from previous marriage earlier in his life. Okay. And his name was George, and it was a month before George found out that his father had died. <gasps> and when he did find out, he was very suspicious of what Mary had done because she had sort of basically taken all the money out of the bank account. Right. She got herself another hundred pounds, which is what a few thousand in today's uh, money. Three grand. About that, yeah. So she's on. Wait, so she had 48 from the first one and 50 from the second one. Yeah, so that's it's about six thousand pounds she's made. That's six grand she's got, yeah. Two years. Wow. Still not entirely sure it's worth it. No. I mean she could have got a job to make that much. <laughs> Even a minimum wage in two years, you should be able you'd to have make got, six. You'd have absolutely got six grand. <laughs> In a couple of months, she'd have got that, <laughs> even on minimum wage. So it makes you wonder, actually, maybe maybe greed and, and financial gain wasn't actually the motive. Anyway, so George's suspicions, coupled with the jokes uh, and her strange behaviour around the way that uh, she reported her last husband's death, eventually alerted the police into looking into these deaths in a little bit more detail. Well, that was good. <laughs> it wasn't long after Ernest's funeral, he was number four, it wasn't mm-hmm. long after the fourth funeral that they exhumed his body <gasps> and the body of Oliver Leonard, who himself had only been in the ground probably less than a year. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And they discovered that they both had really, really high levels of phosphorus oh, in their body. okay. So they determined that they actually died of phosphorus poisoning. Dum, dum, dum. Now, they didn't do it straight away, but shortly afterwards, they also exhumed the bodies of the two Johns who'd been in the ground for like, well, nearly two years by this stage. Yeah. And they discovered that they too had very high <laughs> levels of phosphorus. And so they diagnosed that they had been killed of phosphorus poisoning. It turned out that this phosphorus had come from beetle poison that uh, Mary had got in the house. Beetle butter. <laughs> no, you know, like the mouse butter. Oh, mouse butter, yeah. Sorry, beetle, beetle butter. butter. <laughs> a bit beetle, like that. Beetle juice. <laughs> beetle juice, yeah. Beetle... We watched beetle juice at the weekend. Oh, did you? <laughs> yes, first I've seen it. <laughs> it's a bit weird, isn't it? I, it's I... so weird. Yeah. It's a musical now, and I really like the songs from the musical. So <laughs> I watched the film, but it's really weird. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, we're good. <laughs> so it turns out that yeah, these the, the the this phosphorus had come from beetle poison, which <laughs> this is the weird bit that sixty-four year old Mary had made into love pills. Oh wow, okay. <laughs> 
and was feeding these men <laughs> these these potions. Oh wow! And of course, she was actually poisoning them. Oh my god! <laughs> there we go. Four men actually within twenty six months had died at her hand. Wow, it's not very long, is it? No, not really. I mean, by all accounts, the motivation was greed, but as we've just sort of very quickly worked out, she didn't really make an awful lot. It wasn't no. like millionaires or anything no. was it involved here. So in April 1958, the trial started of, of Mary Wilson. It was only a six-day-long trial, and the jury took 90 minutes to find her guilty of murdering Oliver Leonard and Ernest Wilson. And she was given the death sentence. However, this came at a time when the whole death penalty situation was being reviewed in the UK. Yeah. And some murders were being categorised as capital murders, a bit like first degree murder in USA, and some were not capital murders. Right. (laughs) Now, if she had been found guilty of only one of the poisonings, then that would have been non-capital. Oh, okay. But because she had committed what they thought of then as as just two murders, even though it transpired that she had actually killed four, uh, that meant that she she was to face the death penalty. (gasps) So she was sentenced to be hanged. The, The rule that meant that you had to have committed two murders in order to qualify for capital murder Mm. only came in in 1957 and this was the very first case to actually try it out right in in april 1958 however because of her age so by this time she is uh, she's only 65 i think isn't she yeah which is considered young now but in 1958 that was considered quite old yeah i think and as a result her sentence was actually commuted to life imprisonment okay so she didn't actually hang but she did die in jail on the 5th of december 1962 so she was in prison for about four and a half years she was uh, in holloway prison oh right and, and that's where she died in 1962 so that's that's the story of of mary wilson short and sweet Short and sweet, but a good story. <laughs> Sweetish. There's plenty to look look, look up about that. Um, if, you, if you just Google. Mary I love the Wilson. idea of her being like, oh, keep the cake for the funeral. <laughs> and she I was have a discount descri- off my next funeral. She was des- <laughs> yeah, she was described as a very sort of homely old lady that, you know, would make cakes and sandwiches for you. Wow. Um, and this case was often referred to as being the merry widow of Windy Nook. That's great. That's a great name for a case. That sounds like a play. It does, yeah. Yeah. Or like a Gilbert and Sullivan music. Yes. <laughs> the Merry Widow of Windy Nook. Yeah. Now, just um, a little bit about the death penalty in the UK. I think we've covered this before, but the last time it was actually used was in 1964. And it was fin- finally repealed in 1969. But it did actually stay on the statute books for the crimes of treason, piracy, and arson in a royal dockyard. Right. Until 1998. No way. Yeah. So you could have been hanged for if you were. My God. Well, or at least that was available 
to the That's court. That's crazy. Yeah. And there was a programme on BBC4. It was only last week, Crime and Punishment. Okay. And it it was an hour-long programme, and it sort of told the story of the death penalty in the UK, sort of across the centuries. Oh, cool. Yeah, so in the Middle Ages and uh, that sounds Victorian time. And, I think uh, the death penalty is a really weird, a really difficult one because, yeah, I think it's a really difficult one. I think there's definitely some cases where absolutely... It should, those people should just be got rid of but I think in a lot of cases it's a really difficult one to think oh what would you do um, and I know that in America it's been like the undoing of a lot of um, cases because if people want to go for the death penalty they either have to equip for the death penalty or not so that's kind of what happened in the case of Casey Anthony who officially didn't kill her daughter um, right. but because they went for the death penalty and they said there wasn't enough evidence for her to go for the death penalty they acquitted her um, okay when she absolutely should have been found guilty of killing her daughter they, and that's why i didn't go for the death penalty in the oj simpson trial right because they'd have been too scared to actually yeah find I mean, guilt, uh, yeah but they, they found him not guilty anyway didn't they i think it'd be really interesting if it still existed in the uk today it just seems so barbaric and yeah it does yeah. <laughs> not like the ways that they do it mm. like hanging somebody in 2021 seems ridiculous isn't it yeah i I guess lethal injection is a more clinical way of doing it not quite so mechanical as no snapping someone's neck or chopping their head off or shooting them no but still pretty brutal isn't it yeah and thank goodness they don't have the electric chair anymore oh my god yeah so there we go. That's the story of the Merry Widow of Windy Nook. There you go. Thank you very much. That was uh, that was good. A uh, relatively gentle murder. You <laughs> said an element of fiction about it. Yeah. <laughs> you could almost imagine it being an Agatha Christie story. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But uh, uh, maybe she wasn't quite all there. She thought she could get away with four murders in two years or yeah, it's just yeah. too suspicious. Well, yeah, I mean, and her, her motive doesn't really seem sound either. So maybe there was some sort of um, issue. There. Yeah. It was a nice change, I guess, from the macabre, creepy, awful story from last week. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was. I was worried I'd like creepy. damaged you after yes. weeks. <laughs> we'll just have a cuddly old lady. <laughs> Actually, she doesn't look that cuddly. I've got there's some pictures of her, and uh, she was no oil painting. Bless okay. her. Okay. <laughs> she didn't need to be, did she? she? Apparently, she had the men falling at her feet. <laughs> Apparently so. Yeah, quite how or why? I don't know. Don't know what she had to offer them. That fifty so. pounds inheritance that she'd got. Yeah. <laughs> so, if you've enjoyed this story, um, go back and listen to some of our earlier podcasts. This is episode number eleven. So we have. 10 they're available on spotify on google on apple on TuneIn, and you can follow us on instagram dad and daughter do death and also on facebook yep dad and daughter do death <laughs> and you can email us at dad and daughter do death at gmail.com so it'd be good to hear from you and see what uh, you'd like us to talk about next. Yeah, definitely. And if you've listened to this and you enjoyed it, please do uh, like it, um, leave us a review, subscribe if you want to. We're, we're very much enjoying 
pulling these stories together and sharing these stories and we hope that you're enjoying listening to it as well so join us next time when dad and daughter do death <laughs>